Hey, everybody. Welcome to All There Is. Thanks for tuning in today. I appreciate you spending your time with me. Today's episode is going to be a tough one. It will challenge you. It may trigger you. We are going to talk about secrets and shame. So we'll probably touch on topics like abuse and violence against women and trauma, all those things. And I'm asking you to hang in there and listen and to try and be open to this ugly part of the human experience. I told you at the beginning of season two that I was going to try to find the beautiful in everything this season, and that was going to be the theme. And it still is. But I think in order to recognize and to truly see and appreciate the beauty of the human experience, we have to call out the ugly as well. We have to face it. And we have to do that truthfully and honestly. So fair warning, that's what we're going to talk about today. I hope you haven't tuned out. I I want you to stay with us. And I promise you'll be better for it. I also want to say the obvious that I'm not an expert in any of this. I am merely a witness. And in this podcast, we are here to witness and share the full spectrum of this human experience so we can connect, shift, change, and make this world a safer and less lonely place for all of us, not just for some of us, not just for us and our families, but for everyone. So it is in this context and spirit that I share what has been on my heart and mind today. Today's episode is called Secrets, Shame, and Saving Our Own Lives. So here we go. Let's jump right in. Some secrets we carry are harmless, right? Secrets like, I was the one who backed into that car in the parking lot and scratched the bumper, and I didn't tell anybody and pretended like I didn't know where it came from. Or secrets like, I have a crush on the 25-year-old mailman who delivers mail at my house every day and I watch out the window. Or maybe I ate the last dark chocolate peanut butter cup from Trader Joe's but pretended it wasn't me. Those aren't the secrets we're talking about today. No, today we're talking about the secrets that hide our shame. The secrets that are so big, we're convinced if anyone knew, they wouldn't love us anymore. Or that we wouldn't be welcome at family potlucks. Or our friends would leave us. Secrets around things that we believe are unacceptable in the world we live in today or the circles we move in. Now, we teach our kids that keeping secrets is bad, and we teach them that they need to tell us everything, right? We do that because we don't want them to get in a situation where something bad or evil is happening, and they're keeping it from us because they're ashamed or afraid to tell us. We worry about bullying and abuse and assault, and we don't want our kids to be in danger, so we teach them to come to us or to find a safe adult to tell, right? We tell our kids not to keep secrets so that we can protect them and keep them safe because we know secrets are dangerous. Secrets give evil power. Secrets can kill. And even though we know all this intellectually, as adults, Do we model that same behavior for our kids? Regardless of what we tell them to do, as they grow and develop, they will internalize what they've seen with their own two eyes, what they've seen us do, how they've seen us behave and the people around them. And this can be really dangerous, especially as the stakes get higher for them as they get older. Are we modeling not keeping secrets in a true and authentic way? And what does that really look like? 
What does it look like to not keep secrets and model that true and authentic behavior for our children? You know, not just do what I say, do what I do. So for starters, it may look like talking openly and honestly when Uncle Ed gets hammered at Thanksgiving and falls asleep at the table or throws his plate across the room. It might look like talking openly and honestly about alcohol and addiction instead of brushing it under the rug or giving your husband the look that says, oh boy, here he goes again. Let's just pretend nothing's happening. Now, we love Uncle Ed. Of course we do. We don't want to embarrass or devalue him as a person or ostracize him. But when we ignore troubling behavior that the whole family has seen, we do that at a cost. And maybe it's not Uncle Ed, but maybe it's the neighbors and the fact that the police were called in the middle of the night and woke all of us up and we saw the broken glass. We heard the shouting and then we saw the bruises the next morning on Mrs. Jackson's face. And we tell ourselves we don't want to call it out and talk about it with our kids because it's none of our business. We don't want to embarrass anyone. We don't want to make them feel bad. But if we're really honest... We also don't want to talk about it because we want to avoid difficult conversations. And it can be really hard to admit that someone you love or that someone you know or live next door to is out of control or in danger or struggling with something really serious and dark. We avoid talking about it as a family and with our children because it's uncomfortable for all of us. Who likes uncomfortable situations? None of us do. We don't like to look these things in the eye, but that's exactly what we need to do if we want to dismantle the secret and take away its power. Now, facing secrets is scary. Facing monsters is scary. Remember the movie Nightmare on Elm Street? It was an 80s or 90s movie, I think, so I'm sorry for using an old reference, but there was a part of that storyline that has always stayed with me. The main character in the movie was a teenage girl who was stalked and terrorized by this monster-slash-killer named Freddy Krueger. He came to her in her dreams and nightmares and threatened to kill her at every turn. She even had a strip of her hair turn white from the terror she experienced. And towards the end of one of the movies, I can't remember if it was Nightmare on Elm Street 1, 2, or 3, finally she figured out that all of her fear and attention towards Freddy Krueger was the very thing that gave him the power over her. And so there was this really dramatic part in the movie where she turned her back on him physically. She she was face-to-face with him. I think he had his hand raised to kill her. And instead of running... Instead of trying to fight him, instead of just staying there and taking it, she actually turned around, turned her back on him, and he had no power suddenly. When she refused to give her attention in fear and literally turned away, he became a weak, sad, powerless man. He wasn't a monster anymore. He wasn't a killer. He couldn't hurt her. We need to do the same thing with the secrets and shame that we carry. Keeping them locked up, hidden, safe from everyone else knowing about how awful we must be because our husband or boyfriend hits us or cheats on us or because someone we trusted sexually abused us when we were young and stole our innocence or because this addiction to alcohol or drugs has us by the throat or because we can't pay our rent and keep up on our bills or we're failing at work or school or because our kids are struggling and ran away from home. All these things have power over us because we let them. 
We give them power by keeping them to ourselves, by keeping secrets. It's not the monstrous thing that will kill us. It's the secret. When it comes to these things that hold us in a place of shame and secrecy, we need to turn our back on our fear and take away their power. That's how we do it. That's how we get rid of the Freddy Krueger secrets and shame in our lives. Now, I'm not suggesting that we start pointing fingers at others or handing out scarlet letters so we can keep score of who's who at the next reunion. Oh, he's addicted to weed or he's addicted to meth or she's an alcoholic or that guy over there, I heard he molested his daughter or that woman over there, I heard I saw a bruise on her. You know, we don't want to get to that place where we're singling people out and whispering in the corner and pointing at them. I think we've already been there as a culture and a society. And it's one of the reasons why we keep all the secrets that we keep in the first place. What I'm suggesting is that we get to a new place where we do this in a way with each other that is kind and truthful and loving, a place where we can tell the truth and receive grace and love and support in return. Now, there's been a story in the news lately, and if you're on social media, you've I'm sure you've seen it. It's the tragic story of Gabby Petito. I'm not an expert on this story, and I haven't seen all the coverage, but from what I do know, it appears that she was in a toxic, unhealthy relationship with a mentally abusive boy-slash-man. Perhaps he was a narcissist, I don't know, who ultimately killed her. I also want to mention and call out that Gabby is by far the first young girl or woman that this has happened to. Not the first by a long shot. It has been happening since the beginning of time, actually. There are so many girls and women who go missing, and they have not received this kind of attention. Women of color. The The story around missing Native American women is tragic, and I hope to do a podcast just about that someday. Also, women from poor socioeconomic means. There's a certain type of woman where we are not surprised when this type of thing happens, based on our own perspective and or privilege. Now, I'm not sure if there was anything sinister or intentional about the Gabby Petito case and the media attention it received, but I do think we have to all acknowledge that, right? It doesn't mean that the the Gabby story isn't powerful and something we need to pay attention to. It doesn't take anything away from the fact that her family is now grieving this tragic loss. I just think we need to recognize that there are thousands and thousands of Gabby Petitos every year who might look a little different than her and whose family might look a little different. The story might have a little bit different slant to it, but it's the same story. Now, I actually have another theory about why this case received so much media attention. And I wonder if part of the reason, in addition to her being a a pretty blonde girl from Long Island, is that it was caught on camera. The footage from the police officer's body cam caught a story on film that could not be ignored. And when that video became public, women around the world watched it and identified with it. They saw themselves. They saw their niece, their mother, their daughter, perhaps their son or their husband. The women who recognized what was happening in that video spoke out. The secret was out. Just like George Floyd was by far not the first black man to be murdered by a police officer in cold blood, and unfortunately he probably won't be the last, but it was so impactful and newsworthy because it was caught on camera, and we could not pretend it didn't happen. We couldn't look away. The secret 
was out. When a secret is exposed, it forces us to confront what's happening, to confront what's already happened. As we confront the Gabby Petito case, once again, we are confronted with the secrets around violence against women. And we, we hear the statistics periodically, but numbers on a page allow us to remain detached. Seeing it play out in front of us in a video forces us to confront it. So the statistics are that on average, more than one in three women and one in four men in the U.S. will experience rape, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner that they're in a relationship with. From 1994 to 2010, approximately four in five victims of intimate partner violence were female. So what does that mean in the, in that 16-year span? Approximately 80% or more, a little more than 80% of the victims of intimate partner violence were female. Women ages 18 to 24 and 25 to 34 generally experience the highest rates of intimate partner violence. So those are the stats. And just because I'm talking about violence against women doesn't mean that, number one, this podcast is just for women. I need men to hear this. And I know it's hard for men to hear about the awful things that other men do to women. I imagine it makes you sick to your stomach. You'd love to hurt the guys who do this and enact your own vigilante justice and go all Liam Neeson on these criminals if you could. But you can't because you don't want to go to jail. I get how frustrating that must be. And I would imagine that you probably feel attacked which makes you defensive. I mean, you're a nice guy after all. You would never do this. I get it. Most of the men in my life are amazing human beings and wouldn't mistreat a dog, much less another human being. I have a dad I worship and brothers and nephews and stepsons and a husband and I love men. And I know most of them are good and decent and kind and helpful, but we need men to help us. How? By not keeping the secrets. If one in three girls or women are sexually assaulted and abused, then you must know someone who who has done this. If one in three women are beaten by their husbands or partners, then statistically speaking, you must know someone who is doing this or has done it. And I'm not asking for you to step in and go to jail. I'm asking for you to talk about it. Talk about it with your friends, with your sons and your daughters. And if you see it, or think it's happening, say something. Don't keep the secret. Stop giving it Freddy Krueger power. Number two, I also want to call out that I know that men experience assault, abuse, and rape as well. Men and boys, I know that. And I'm not excluding them when I'm talking about secrets. All of that is included here. And number three, secrets and shame do not only exist around domestic violence. They exist everywhere for all of us, regardless of gender, race, culture, socioeconomic or professional status. Secrets are dangerous and life-threatening for all of us. Pain pills, a drinking habit, sex addiction, gambling, the inability to manage your finances or pay your bills or pay your rent, cheating and adultery eating disorders, mental health issues like depression, suicidal thoughts, or maybe an attempt at suicide, or just feeling like you cannot get up out of bed every day. These are the typical players that require shame and secrecy to keep their power over us. 
But if we are ever going to move beyond the statistics in this country around domestic violence and violence against women and men and intimate relationships, the statistics around addiction and mental health, the opioid crisis, if we're going to move beyond the mental health crisis that we have in this country, we must break the power that shame and secrets keep over us. So what do we do? We have to save our own lives. We have to save our own lives. If you have a secret, find someone safe to tell it to. And I'm not suggesting if you're in a dark place and addiction has its foot on your throat or you're in danger at home with whoever you're with, if you are having thoughts of ending your life or crippling anxiety or panic, whatever it is that has you in its grip, you're in a life and death situation. And I'm not suggesting that you create a post on Facebook or Instagram or shout it from the rooftops. I'm suggesting you find someone safe in your life that you can share your secret with. We also teach our kids to look for an adult in charge, right? We, we teach our kids to look for a uniform, a teacher, customer service behind the counter, an employee, right? Not just any adult, but those with a position of authority. We tell them to find someone who they know is safe to tell their secret to. Well, the same thing applies to us. There are people in our lives who are safe. Look for those. Look for those who have an open heart or an open mind or those who have your best interest at heart. Sometimes it may surprise you who that is. I think sometimes when we're in those dark places of shame and secrecy, we have a tendency to believe that everyone is judging us all the time. And it's probably not true. And even if it is true, play the worst case scenario game. Like what is the worst thing that can happen if the shame or secret gets out? You're already in a life and death situation. You're already at risk of dying from whatever it is, the addiction, the drugs, the booze. People might gossip and judge. Okay. Yeah. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be there, but it's a life and death situation. So, so what? We need to do it in spite of our fear. We're always going to be afraid. We have to save our own lives. And keeping secrets and shame just gives that evil force that Freddy Krueger that has ill intention for your life gives them power to terrorize you, to chase you down, to haunt your dreams, to give you nightmares, to terrorize you and potentially take you out or kill you. This is life or death. We need to turn our backs on our secrets. We need to take away its power. And your secret may be, hey, I can't pay my rent this month. I don't know what to do. I believe shame around finances is a driver of homelessness because we're too ashamed to ask for help. We're ashamed in front of our children to, to go on public assistance or to get the help that we need. And I think maybe more so now than ever before, shame is just building. Even though we're intellectually becoming more aware of it, it's become harder than ever because we are obsessed with a public persona, a public life on Instagram or Facebook that is perfect, right? We, we only post and make public those moments that are happy and perfect and portray us in the best possible light. And that's not really helpful to the people out there that are struggling to just get up every day and get out the door. So how do you find someone safe to tell your secret to? Well, we can model what we tell our kids. Look for the ones in charge, right? Look for the adult in a uniform or behind the counter. You might tell your kids to look for another parent that has children with them. The same is true with our secrets. I'm not saying you should Instagram it or tweet it or post your secret on Facebook 
or Snapchat. I'm not sure that is safe, but look around for those who seem like they have healthy relationships and boundaries. Look for those who have a track record. Do you know of anyone else that shared a secret with them in a safe way? Avoid the ones who are always gossiping and judging other people in a shame-filled way. They are not your safe zone. And if you really don't want to go to someone in your personal life and in your personal circle, find a professional, a minister, a pastor, a rabbi, a doctor, a therapist, or a counselor. Unfortunately, our friends and our family aren't always a slam dunk. And, you know, honestly, family members can have their own shit going on, especially if whatever the secret is is generational. It can be tough, and there's no shame if you can't find a family member to talk to doesn't really matter if they're friends or family. You want to look for the same type of track record and behaviors. Do they jump on shame and secrecy bandwagons to keep others down? Whether you're a young woman or an old woman, a college student, whether it is your partner, a coworker, a parent, a friend, if you are not safe and you're keeping it secret, tell your truth. It will be hard. It will be scary but it will save your life. Now, if you can't find somebody, a person to tell it to, and maybe you're not ready for that step yet, write it down, get a journal, get a piece of paper. And that may seem weak or silly and not helpful, but it is. I'm telling you, it feels like you're talking to someone else, even if you're not. Record a voice memo on your phone. Say it out loud in your car to the universe, to your dog. This is a life and death situation. Tell your truth and turn away. Take away the secret's power. If you are listening to this podcast and you don't have any shame-filled secrets like this, don't feel bad about that. Don't feel guilty. Be the safe space for someone else. If you see someone you know has something going on, make sure they know you are a safe person. Just because you are healthy and mentally resilient right now at this moment in your life, just know that that could change someday in the future. And also, not everyone is in that same safe space. You should know that people are struggling. So just walking through this world, looking for those people who need a safe space, a hand to hold, you can be that person without shame and judgment. You can listen without offering advice unless they ask for it. You can ask what you can do to support them. You can listen, not try to fix it. Wrap your arms around them and give them a hug and give them unconditional agape love. And don't tell them your sad stories in response or what happened to you 25 years ago or to your long-lost Aunt Sally, okay? This is what you do. If you are the safe person right now, you lean in, you listen to them, and you love them. Period. Lean in, listen to them, love them, okay? Now, I have a short paragraph that I wrote a few years ago, and I want to share it with you. It was inspired by a lifetime of watching other women in abusive relationships with men who said they love them. And it was also inspired from listening to and hearing stories of childhood assault and abuse and rape. Also, if I'm being honest, when I wrote this, I had recently found out some devastating secrets that had been kept from me for far too long. There were secrets in my life that shaped and defined an unavoidable pain, sadness, and torture, really. The secrets that were kept from me gave this pain and sadness a tangible power in my life for many, many years, and it kept me stuck. And when someone was finally brave enough and willing to tell me the truth, 
It gutted me in a way that I had never experienced before and wasn't sure I could survive, but I did, and it freed me. So here's what I wrote. It's called We Keep Their Secrets. We keep their secrets. They live with us, work with us, love us, marry us. We covet their presence because we love them, respect them, misunderstand them, fear them. We stay silent while they beat us, molest us, rape us, kill us. We keep their secrets. The silence keeps us locked in their grip, submitting to their torture because somehow we think we deserve it. We stay silent because we don't want to hurt them, because we love them, respect them, misunderstand them, fear them. We're not like them. Silence doesn't require change. Silence keeps them locked in evil's grip, too. The silence suffocates us both. Our truth, the truth of who we are, will set us both free to find a better way. If you've made it this far in the podcast episode, thank you. Thank you for hanging in and listening with an open mind. I know it's not easy to talk about this stuff. And I also believe if we're going to witness this human experience, we have to be willing to have the tough conversations. If we're going to find the beautiful, we need to confront the ugly. If a secret is keeping you locked in shame and fear, tell the truth and turn away. Take away its power. Find someone safe. Write it down. Find someone to tell. Find someone to hold your hand. Start to take away its power. And if you are free from this kind of pain right now and you can be a safe place, you can be a safe person, lean in, listen, love, period. I'd like to tell you that next week's episode is going to be about ballerinas and butterflies, but I'm not sure it will be. I think I've got some more things to say on some difficult topics. Now you can go to kellybargabus.com to listen to past episodes if you're interested or to reach out to me. But more importantly, if you or someone you know is in danger, you can go to thehotline.org for help. Okay, they have a national domestic abuse website that you can go to. So please, if you need that, check that out. Let's save our own lives. We have to save our own lives. And the only way that we can do that is with no more secrets. So until we meet again, take care.